BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Happy Tuesday and welcome. The Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Bally Bet, a sports betting partner of your Cleveland Browns, now live in Ohio. Nathan Zagura, the great Gibbe, Jason Gibbs, Bo Bishop on, on vacation. Assignment. Well, or vacation. Or vacation. However you want to call it there, on a little vacate. Gibbe, what a weekend for us. Let's play Thursday every week. Yeah, what a weekend for us. The Browns clinched the playoffs by 4 o'clock on Saturday. We knew the Browns were the five seed. It was fun just watching those games, and he had the two games yesterday. It was just to have that nice weekend, a ring in the new year, it was glorious. How was, how was your New Year's Eve? I was in bed by 11. What? I was. Uh, probably because the night before I went to bed at 3. Well, yeah, that'll catch up with you. Yeah, and then like the night before that was uh, a Buckeyes watch party that set college football back 40 years. Um. Uh, college football is screwed up. It's awful outside of yesterday's Final Four games, but I had no interest in even watching. Uh, the Final Four? Yeah, I didn't watch it. Michigan-Alabama was a great game. I know. I, I I was so disgusted after Friday night. I'm like, I'm done. I don't know. what College football's broken. I'm not here for it. I'm done. I, I don't know. Well, the good news is you work for an NFL team. So Thank God. that going for you. Beautiful. Saturday night, a lot of controversy. Cowboys. I was with a bunch of Lions fans. That was crazy. So what's where are we at now? I mean, you've got Dan Campbell saying that only one guy can report eligible. We report 68 and 53 eligible together all the time. Correct. So I know that that's not true. This sounds like it got screwed up. Like they, they, it sounds like the Lions outsmarted themselves. Okay. And tried to get like a bunch of guys in that. Area. They were trying to fake yes. who was reporting as eligible. And meanwhile, the one guy that needed to report maybe either didn't report or got lost in the shuffle. Supposedly he did report. The guy that they said reported was the one who was fake reporting. Who, 70. Who said basically, I'm not reporting. Which, the moment you heard that, if you were Dan Campbell, you should have called, called the timeout. timeout. Supposedly they had a legal formation anyway. Yeah, and there was something with a tripping but on it, the same it feels possession. Like they got. I mean, clearly they didn't do. Clearly, the refs messed this up because immediately that crew was taken out of the playoffs uh, within 24 hours. Right. So, Pretty crazy. So then they did not do it. They messed up, and that could have massive implications for the seedings in the NFC. 
especially the when Lions fi- should have won that game. That that's the first thing I thought of when I saw the Philly final score come in against the Cardinals. I was like, "Oh my God, Dan Campbell's going to lose his mind!" Like they have every reason to be angry now. Oh yeah, and I think on top of that, there was a penalty that was called on Dallas earlier, where they called the guy offsides, offensive, or he was back too far. That was in inc- there. Yeah, bad. Not They've great. Got to get the officiating stuff. Locked up. And I'll say you didn't watch yesterday. I thought watching the Michigan-Alabama game was awesome. The refs kind of just let them play. I, I and that's watched, how big-time football should yeah, be. I shouldn't say I didn't. Like, when it went to overtime, I was like, all right, I'll turn it on. I had just gotten home. We were out running running around, doing a couple things, uh, and, and got home, and I was like, eh, I think we're going to overtime here. I might need to watch it. So I yep. did watch overtime, but the rest of it I just – Overtime was great. It was yeah, electric. Exactly. And that, but that's all I needed to see. I, I just, I, again, college football. It was depressing. It, there is a big problem with college football. NFL games were great. Eh. I mean, the the Bengals Chiefs was better than I thought it was going to be. Yes. In part because the Chiefs are a mess. Chiefs are a little bit of a mess. The Chiefs are most definitely a little bit of a mess. There's no doubt, and, and it feels like. They're a little broken, kind of like Philly's a little broken. Yeah, I don't know what's going and, on there. I don't know how you lose to the Cardinals. And you can tell with the Chiefs, too, like there's, they're starting to kind of fall apart at the seams a little bit. They're starting to get very, how do you say, antsy. And in, in you see a lot of infighting and people saying what I would call unkind things to one another. Kind of like how I talk to you sometimes. Yeah, but we're not, we're not falling apart like they are. No, so no, 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 no. Let's be positive there. Yeah, uh, it was it was a good it was a great weekend, man. I, I cannot. It was great just to unplug. Like I did, we got out of here. Uno and I got out of here about four thirty on Friday. Like I did not open my laptop again till yesterday. So great, uh, so great. Like so neat. Coach talked to the media at four o'clock yesterday. I opened my laptop for that. That was it. I'm like, I'll see you on Tuesday. It's great. And, and, you know, for the Browns, you know, we had been talking about what did we want to have happen? And would you have loved to have the dream for the number one seed still alive? Of course you would have. But now that you know what's going on, and Kevin's fans said they haven't quite worked out the plan yet, but it, it will give you an opportunity to rest some people to get them healthy for the finale. Absolutely. Or for the playoff. I'm sorry, the playoff opener. And so think about Amari needs that time. Elijah Moore probably needs that time. And thank goodness that he's okay. Real quick, uh, I want to read just a couple of tweets that he sent out because that was such a scary thing. You know that I am a huge Elijah Moore guy. I, I like him a great deal as not only a player but as a person. He tweeted out, this is about 19 hours ago, so this would have been about 5 o'clock yesterday, six, or 6 o'clock yesterday. Thank you to everyone for the love, support, and to all who lifted me up in prayer since Thursday night. Thank you to the Cleveland Browns doctors and the staff at University Hospital taking amazing care of me. I feel extremely blessed to be feeling much better. I'm excited to get back to work with my brothers as we embark on this playoff run for the city of Cleveland. Most importantly, all praises to the Most High for his covering and protection and everything else in between. All of this simply is a reminder of how lucky and blessed we are to be doing what we love, let alone waking up every day. You never know how quick it can be taken away. Love, 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 and blessings, Elijah Moore. And could not be happier for Elijah Moore that he is feeling better. And and that was, as we said, very, very scary that day. And so that's that's some very Which, good news at there. at the time, I don't think we understood or knew the seriousness of it. We knew he was down. 
We knew it wasn't great. We figured it was probably a head injury, but the severity of it and not knowing until later on in the night that he was in the hospital, yes. spending the night in the hospital, like yeah. that, but that now you changes give him, everything. He doesn't have to play this week. It gives him two, really, 17 days to be back and ready to go, which I think is a good thing for I mean, him and for the Browns. <laughs> Joe Flacco, put it as we like to say on the show, put him in bubble wrap. I'll see you in two weeks. Well, I think the fact that the Browns signed Jeff Driscoll to the active roster and waived Sam Kamara tells you all you need to know. My guess is it'll be either Driscoll starting this weekend or PJ Walker starting this weekend. I don't. You need. Yeah, Amari Cooper. Yeah. Like these guys are going to have, as you said, I think you said seventeen, sixteen days to get healthy. These are the guys you this don't is need to see: need. Flacco, Batonio, Posick, Teller, Chief, Amari, Elijah. I mean, I'd say Jerome Ford at this point because he's your start. Let Pierre Strong get all the work. Yeah. That's fine. Defensively, Miles, Dalvin, Zadarius, um, Awok if he's back, Tock, JOK, Denzel, Greg Newsom, MJ Emerson. Thornhill. Thornhill. Give him another week to yep. get that calf right. I don't need to see any of those guys. The problem is – from a you're corner gonna standpoint, him. you're going to have to dress yeah. him. But you'll bring it. You can bring up AJ Green. So you'd have Cam Mitchell. You'd have AJ Green. You'd have Mike Ford. But Ford had a calf. A calf. I think he's going to be fine from Thursday night. I think he'll be fine. Um, I just feel like like linebacker wise, where are you? Depth linebacker. You'd have Kunashik, Matt Adams, Diabate, Tony Fields. Okay, so you've got enough there to get you yeah, through. Defensive line. You'd have. Um, Alex Wright, you could call up Isaiah Thomas if you wanted to. You'd have Isaiah McGuire. Yep. You'd have on the interior Jordan Elliott. Ika. Siaki Ika, yeah. You'd probably, Shelby probably might get the veteran, but might have, I mean, you need you still need to be able to play. That's it. You've got to have a rotation still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there, there's guys that are going to have to play. Yeah. If Kamara clears waivers, they could bring him back up and he could play, you know, both defensive end and defensive tackle. I, I, yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys are still going to have to dress because in the they might have to play in the event of injuries to other people. Um, but you want know, to you want to be as healthy as you can be going into this playoff game. There he is. Look at Scarlett. He's back. He He's cares about Zest college football. Back. Maybe he can come talk about college football. Michigan, Washington. Great. That quarterback hey, from Washington. Look, the Big Ten beat the SEC. I'll, I'll give you that. Like, yes, I know everybody right. hates Michigan. Fine. We mean everybody. But like, not everybody. Okay. The majority of people in this state dislike in the, state of the University of Michigan. Yeah. But a lot of people from Ohio went to Michigan. I mean, like, all my friends who went to Michigan were born in Kia. Ohio. Kia. Doc, the great doctor. McBurnett. McBurnett's a Michigan man. People. Hey, it's, it's a big day for them. Congratulations. Now well, you got to finish the one deal. One more game. you right. got to finish it. They're uh, four and a half point favorites in Las Vegas. Hmm. It's a solid, solid number. That's a solid good start. Number. So this game, we were talking about how it doesn't mean anything for us. It also means nothing for the Bengals. Yeah, correct. They're done. Yeah. Their season is done. So this is a game that literally is an exhibition. Say fifth preseason game. Fourth. Well, I guess this year we had the Hall of Fame five. Don't sell me short there oh, on that. Goodness. Don't sell us short. So this will be, be game. This is going to be game 21 for us. Yeah, yeah, and we're gonna hope for a twenty-five. If we hit twenty-five, Gibby, that means we will have had a game 
almost every week for half of a year. We would, yes. Counting the bye week, we would have. Correct. Well, actually, and then you count the bye week if we made it all the way. And I'm fine it with would that. Be 27 I'm totally, weeks. I'm totally down. Jeez Louise. Yeah. It's going to require a few days off on the back end. Yep. Yep. All right. Based on Sunday's results, the Browns will play the winner of the AFC South in the first round of the playoffs. We've beaten all of them already. We have beaten both Houston and Indy in their buildings where this game will be played. We would not. We have not beaten the Jags there. If the Jags beat Tennessee, they win the division. Correct. That's all they have to do. If they lose, the winner of the Colts-Texans game on Saturday will get in. Saturday's got some good games. Saturday's got some juice to it. Ravens, pukers, and then... Uh, so the Ravens is interesting. I was talking about this today uh, with somebody at the gym. They're like, are the Ravens going to sit everybody? I mean, do you really sit people multiple weeks? That's what I was say. Two weeks, you have the bye anyway. Yeah. Maybe they play a half, but probably get them some... I think you'd still want to get guys some action. Now, somebody's banged up. No. Sure. But... Two weeks off is a long time. Now, Vegas has the Steelers as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, which means they think the Ravens are yeah. sitting people for sure. Uh, Texans-Colts is a good game. And then there's really – I mean, the, the NFC the Bills South Dolphins is game is actually going to be a very good – well, the NFC South because the well, – but they all the Bucks have to do is beat – they just have to beat the Panthers. Panthers. Yeah. Maybe they did not look good last drink. week. I'll tell you that much. They did not look good that week. last week. So here's the deal. Miami clinches the AFC East division title with a win. Jacksonville clinches with a win. Jacksonville clinches a playoff berth with a tie and a Pittsburgh loss or tie. Or a Pittsburgh loss, a Denver loss, and Houston Indy doesn't end in a tie. Buffalo can clinch the AFC division title with a win. They clinch a playoff berth with a tie or a Steelers loss, a Jags loss, or a Houston Indianapolis tie. I hate when they get in these tie scenarios. You're taking sec- segment two away from us. But no, that's sorry, all right. sorry, no, no, sorry, no, 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 no. That's okay. We haven't got to the NFC. Finish out just... the AFC because right, I, I know Uno. No, 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 no. You're fine. No, no, we adjust on the fly. Yeah. Uno mentioned it earlier. There's a scenario where somehow the Bills cannot make the playoffs so, or finish with the second seed. So the Steelers would make the playoffs if they win and Buffalo loses. They win and Jacksonville loses, or they win in a Houston-Indianapolis tie. Houston gets into the playoffs with a win and a Jacksonville loss. Houston clinched the FC South division with a win and a Jacksonville loss. They get into the playoffs with a win, a Jags loss, and a Pittsburgh loss. So it feels like, to me, Buffalo would be out if, if they lose and Pittsburgh wins. And the Jags win. Yeah, there's <clears throat> these things need to be written. Did Uno write it more clearly on here? I, I, I literally took this from the NFL from the playoff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it doesn't give you like it doesn't spell out as clear like how they would be eliminated as well. But yes, Buffalo clinches with a win or a tie, a Steelers loss, Jags loss. So my guess is they would based on this they would be out if they lose. Pittsburgh wins and Jacksonville wins. Well, Miami's got Miami's got I mean Miami's got some things that they've got to decide. They got a quarterback that's banged up. I I believe Bradley Chubb has an ACL. He's done for the year. Yeah, they shouldn't have had him in that game. Yeah. They should not have had him in that game. Waddle and Hill are both dinged up. Most of play. Yeah. Like do you just because you're in the playoffs, do you take the 
well, maybe we win the division, but most likely we don't, and let's just move forward? Or are you trying to get get the home game? I think you want to win the division. I I would assume, because you might have to play them again. (laughs) Also, you're Miami. You're much more of a warm-weather team. If you don't, you're going... It's cold everywhere that you would most likely go. Have you seen our forecast yet for this week? In Cincy? Mm-hmm. No. believe that there could be a significant winter storm coming across the country that decides to make its presence known in Saturday into Sunday. I feel bad for Gerard. I, <laughs> I feel bad for us traveling because I think it could get very interesting. Uh, the weather forecast, not great early on. We are, The Weather Channel says we're watching a potential for a major winter storm. Oh, yikes. Yeah. yeah. Winter's here. Happens. It does happen. All right. Well, there you go. So let's look at the AFC. There's still a lot to be determined, but this Sunday went a long way yeah, to determine Yeah, we can look at the things. AFC right now. Like Baltimore winning. Yeah. That locked them into the number one overall seed. Kansas City because they won, they won the AFC West. Eighth and, time. Eighth and, and they stay ahead of the AFC South. That's what was you were worried about. There was a scenario. Although, to be honest with you, I'm not that worried about them. When you watch them, Kelsey, unfortunately, has lost like two steps, it feels like. Yeah, he's well, shown every sign of his age. Which, he's 34. 34 years old. Yeah. And you know, I remember going back, remember he got hurt in that game against uh, Minnesota? And it really feels like he hasn't been quite the same since. Still had a, a great, great season. I bet he probably is. I bet his stats this year would surprise me because it just lately has not been great. But he was he was very productive um, this season. Just you can tell he is not the dynamic threat that he has been in the past, and their offense is not the dynamic threat. So he's at ninety three, nine eighty four, and five, which is. A far cry from 110, 1,392, 125, and 9. I mean, he had scored 32 touchdowns this season before that. This will be this is his lowest total of yards since 2015. My guess is they'll play him to get him to 1,000. But you look at, like, lately, 16, 44, 28. He hasn't scored a touchdown since November 20th when they played the Eagles. Jeez was the last time. So he's gone six straight games without a touchdown, six straight games without a 100-yarder. He just hasn't quite quite been the same. In fact, he's been under 60 yards receiving in six of his last nine games. He was over 60 or better in five of the first six. And the only one he was not he had a touchdown. So it's been – yeah, he's been struggling a little bit. But so you're locked in. Yeah, you're locked in. We will watch. Now, I think it's it's interesting that they put – it's interesting that they put the Titan, I mean the uh, Texans, Colts on Saturday, because the ja- if they put the Jags Titans there, that game still had juice, and then you'd know the AFC South. I think it's so interesting that they put this one where these guys aren't necessarily sure they're playing for anything, right? Like, no, not- they could still make the playoffs. There's still a playoff spot. So if Indy wins, they make the playoffs. Over the steel. If any wins, they would be in. If Houston wins there. So whoever loses, it seems like whoever loses in the AFC South clinches a playoff berth no, ma- uh, no matter what. If the Jags were to win it. No, 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 no. Houston, on. Indy, the winner is in the playoffs. The Period. question is, do Are they, they win, win the, the division? division? Yes, right, exactly. 
So that's why I I, I like that. I don't I, I I don't think there's any you know the Jacksonville game still means something. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. So, it, but I kind of like that one first because then you know like that sets up for the next one to be all right. Is it just for the playoffs? But then again, it still is a win and get in game. You just don't know if you're the four or you're the correct. six seven. Which is a big, yeah. <laughs> that's a big deal right now in the AFC. So Buffalo is automatically in if either if either Pittsburgh or Jacksonville loses, they're automatically in. Yeah, and somehow and the, and somehow the, the Squealers who fit, or were nine and seven, winning record for the seventeenth consecutive year, it's unbelievable. Are are still in with a chance? They're in with a Buffalo loss. They need to win. And then they need a Buffalo loss, a Jags loss, or a Houston Indy tie. So Pittsburgh's in with a Buffalo loss and a win. Or a Jacksonville loss. If the Steelers lose, the Jags lose, Denver wins. There's a lot that needs to happen. Yeah, there's a lot that needs to happen. But they can still get in. They're 430. And knowing how that franchise works, somehow they're going to find a way. So they're playing Saturday 430 as Steelers-Ravens, which is going to be interesting in the sense that are the Ravens going to play or not? And then you'll get that game, uh, the Houston Indy game. Yeah, nice little Saturday. Yeah, it's not a bad Saturday at all. Not no. a bad way to kick it off. I mean, the good news is for the Browns is that, you know, we, we haven't been in this position. This last game doesn't mean anything. Something, we've been in the position. We've just been on the other side. No, in the, from a positive standpoint. <laughs> yeah, right? Yes, we've certainly been in some meaningless Week 18 games. But I'm talking about from a positive standpoint where yeah. this game can't enhance our standing and we are in the playoffs. The Browns have punched their tickets to the playoffs. And what a special time it was. By the way, I don't know about you. That game seems like it was like a year ago to me. The Thursday? Yeah. 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 Uh, it. Like a week ago today was the day after Christmas. Yeah. That seems insane. So the players had the players were off, yeah, and coaches too. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now I know there were there were guys in the building on Friday, but by early afternoon it was a ghost town here. Uh, by about two o'clock. Yep. Everybody was off Saturday and Sunday. Monday, everybody coaches back in the building. Players late day on Monday. They had meetings, uh, lift, uh, and. You know, preparations begin for Cincinnati week, uh, and then they were done for the day between four and five o'clock. So, and they're off today. They're back tomorrow, and we turn the page. Yep, yep. So, here we go. And, and again, tomorrow we'll get to hear from Kevin Stefanski. We'll probably get a little bit more insight as to you know what the plan is in this game. And, and my guess, I think we, I think we pretty much have it that there will be a lot of people not necessarily playing uh, for the Cleveland Browns. All right, when we come back, we'll run through the playoffs again real quickly on the AFC side, but more in depth on the NFC side. You are listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, sports betting partner of your Cleveland Browns, now live in Ohio. In the AFC, if the playoffs started today, Ravens would have a first round bye. They've already clinched that. That is a fact. If they started today, the two-seed Miami Dolphins would be hosting the seven-seed Indianapolis Colts. The three-seed Chiefs would be hosting the six-seed Bills. 
and the four-seed Jags would be hosting the five-seed Cleveland Browns. But as we told you earlier on the AFC side, there's still a lot to decide. Who wins the AFC South? Who wins the AFC East? And then what those final two wildcard spots look like. The teams that are still alive are the, Dol- are the Dolphins, the Jags, the Bills, the Colts, the Texans, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So there you go. It's a little – there are not as many teams in the AFC. Broncos officially out. Bengals officially out. Uh, yeah, eliminated. The Raiders got eliminated. Four and twelve Patriots. Five and eleven Chargers. Five and eleven Tennessee Titans. Six and ten Jets. Seven and nine Raiders. Eight and eight Chiefs. Eight and eight Denver Broncos. There are just right now there are four teams. Well, really, depending on how you look at it, I guess yeah, six teams alive for four spots. There will be two of the ones that are they're still eligible on the outside looking in. Now in the NFC, if the playoffs were to start today. The first round bye would go to the San Francisco 49ers. By the way, that is also set in stone. That has been clinched. The two seed would be the Dallas Cowboys. They would host the seven seed Green Bay Packers. The three seed would be the Detroit Lions, who, by the way, feel like they should be the two seed. They will host. They have an argument. They will host currently the L.A. Rams. And then the four seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers at eight and eight would host the five seed Philadelphia Eagles at 11 and five if it were today, but that is not the scenario that we've got. There is still much to be decided here in the NFC. So here's what we've got. Here's what's clinched. Niners have won the NFC West, and they are the one seed. The Lions have won the NFC North. The Cowboys, Rams, and Eagles have all clinched playoff berths. So similarly, we've got two spots. So here we go. The AFC, the NFC South, Atlanta clinches, and Atlanta plays New Orleans. Tampa plays Carolina. Tampa clinches with a win, right? And a Tampa loss. No, Tampa Tampa clinches with a win. Yes. Period. Yes. Uno left. We didn't. Uno. Sad. Uno, I know you were out, but it's 2024. We've got to be moving forward. We've got to be better better than this. They're back. Did did you see on the rundown? Read the rundown. Did did I screw that up? And if if it's Gibbe's fault, air that grievance. I don't really know whose fault it is because i he did that segment but then i had to do the formatting for it because it was all out of whack so it's probably it's probably a combination yeah so so far me and griff are unblemished yeah tampa clinches with a win coming up griff glad to see griff back from the (laughs) dead back from the dead all right so tampa clinches with a win if tampa loses atlanta clinches with a win and the tampa loss new orleans would clinch then they new orleans plays atlanta if Tampa loses, the winner of Atlanta, New Orleans, wins the NFC South. Gross. If Tampa loses, the winner of Atlanta, New Orleans, and that's in Atlanta, would clinch. Sunday at 1 o'clock. By the way, the NFC Saints, South. Falcons by the way, is on CBS. By the way, if the, if the Falcons, if the Bucks lose and the Falcons win, they will, the winner of that division will be 8-9. and nine. That is that, and, and somehow they get a home game. If the Bucks win, they get a home game. If the Bucks win, they will be nine and eight. If the Bucks lose and the Saints win, they will also be nine and eight. All right, Dallas Cowboys. They clinch the and they play Washington. They clinch the NFC East with a win or a Philly loss. 
the Eagles can clinch the NFC East division title with a win and a Dallas loss. Dallas, Eagles obviously, are Giants. E- both of those teams should win their games. Correct. Eagles at Giants, which means the Eagles will stay five seed. The Cowboys will stay most likely the two seed. Well, they would say the two seed. They would clinch that up. All right. For the wild card stuff, what's still up That's is a lot. Green Bay, Minnesota, New Orleans, Seattle. Seattle are all still alive for the wild card. So what would have to happen here? Start with Green Bay. They're in with a win. That's it. Or they win Seattle. They tie. Seattle loses. New Orleans loses or tie. Or they're in with a Minnesota loss, a Seattle loss, and a Tampa or New Orleans loss. Basically, Packers win their end. Minnesota would get in with a Vikings win, a Green Bay loss, a Seattle loss, and a Tampa or New Orleans loss. The Vikings are quite the uphill battle. Yes. The Vikings are on the outside looking in right now. New Orleans gets in if they win and Seattle and Green Bay both lose. And Green Bay plays Chicago. That's not a gimme, given how Chicago's played so far. In Chicago. I mean, in Green Bay. Versus, the Bears would love yep. nothing more than to ruin that party. For sure. Think about last year. It was the Lions who ruined Green yep. Bay's party at Green Bay. So And then Seattle is at Arizona. So frisky. Frisky. The Cardinals are frisky. The Cardinals are pretty frisky. So Seattle is in if they win and Green Bay loses. That's basically what they need. So there still is there's still some drama here to go in the NFC, and a lot of it changed because of that outcome on Saturday night. I would love to get – I mean, the statement to me that tells you all you need to know is that that officiating crew is out of the playoffs, but I would love to have somebody actually, like – say what happened well it goes back to this you know when something happens in an officiated like an officiating question mark it's basically after a game ends there is one reporter that is designated the officiating pool reporter so there's only one reporter that gets to go in and meet with the head official and ask him questions yeah but that guy apparently that guy but what, a little bit what i'm saying is like you should put those. You should put an entire refereeing crew up on the podium, and let the media have at it. Like it, this goes back to officials need to be full time employees. Yep. <laughs> like we can't have them be on a per game basis. You give up your jobs. Yes. And be be held accountable. By the way, have, have we gotten any information on the things that happened in our game that seemed well, insane? I, I mean, if we. You, we, you and I don't know about those things. Yeah, but I'm just curious, like, I mean, we don't. They use that sky judge in ways that it has not been used Somehow before. We got. Can we talk man, about twelve? Yeah, yeah you twelve can't do men. That. You can't reverse that. And I'm sorry when they 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 ultimately got the right call. So in theory, I don't have a problem with that on the Pierre Strong fumble. But that guy blew that play dead. Yes, and you're not supposed to because once you blow the play dead, it's not reviewable. Correct. But in that case, they blew the play dead, and then it somehow was reviewable even though it was a horrific call, and he did fumble. But it's just got to be consistent. I'm fine with them using the Sky Judge to just flat out get it right. Fine, but then but tell me that 12th man on the field that. is not – that's not reviewable. No. Out of nowhere, he, he's like, he's meeting, he's meeting. I'm like, okay, what is this about? Yeah. We think it's one thing, and then he throws a flag. Yeah. Oh, there's 12 men on the field. Now, we saw it on the replay that there was 12 men. I knew right away that Darius hadn't gotten off the football field. But by still, a, by a toe. Yeah, a toe. but like again, if you didn't throw the flag in that moment, you, you can't go back and change that. 
To your point, though, the ratings are the highest they've ever are the highest they've ever yeah. been. The money that is around this league, obviously, with not just TV but with gambling now, is the highest that it's ever been. They need to get the officiating right in the playoffs. Well, like we you leading up to have... the playoffs, you can't right now. There is an alternate universe that exists where the Lions should be the two seed. Yeah, and so we're not going to necessarily get to know how that version of the playoffs unfolded. So that's the part about to me that's tough because it never that's something that can't be made up. And now there are plenty of calls throughout games that happen, like. The thing to me that it's, for example, where the sky judge, remember Amari Cooper caught the touchdown against Tennessee and the guy said he stepped out of bounds even though he was inbounds by a couple feet? Yes. Like that's one where they should be like, yeah, the touchdown. Now they'd be like, well, we blew it dead. Well, then it's got to be one or the other. But there should have been, re- there's got to be recourse for that. Just get it right. Make the officials be full time. That's all they should do is be yep. NFL officials. And by the way, they should be compensated plenty for them to be like, there's, they already are money to go around. Yeah. And then the sky judge, we need to kind of say, look, is the goal to just get everything right? Yes, I, I think that would be the goal. Then let the sky judge be involved in doing that. And I think you'd have no problem with that. I think you'd have no problems at all. I don't even know, like, if the sky judge is involved, how much of a replay, like... System I, do you need? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they can turn it around as quickly as they can with well, the sky judge. With some things. Yeah. And you're seeing that. Yeah. And it's funny watching the game, like, you know, I don't... We don't often get to just sit there and watch a full Sunday slate. No. But you saw it being applied in various ways around the league. Like some replays would take a long time that were pretty obvious, and some would be super fast because they're just like, yeah, no. I don't know. Did you see Mike McDaniel talking about the Browns and how cool it is they were? I love that guy. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. but By the way, the Ravens stomped them. Well, we'll get to that that in one one thought. But but, My goodness. um, That – I, that's all I wanted to watch on Sunday. I was like, yeah, I just want to watch that game. When Tyreek Hill dropped the touchdown on the second drive where like he never drops that and it was a perfect little just floater, I was like, okay, that's that doesn't feel good. No, because you couldn't – that was a game that you could not go field goal. So I had you a – You needed a touchdown. I had a fantasy championship going on. I, had two, I made two finals. One of them – I had – my quarterback all year had been Trevor Lawrence – we had Mostert, we had Waddle, and we had TJ Hawkinson. So in the finals, we started four people basically off the waiver wire, which was not ideal, not enjoyable at all. And then we lost that one. And then the other one I won. It was funny because the official Nana was over, and she was, you know, who are we rooting for? And we're like the Dolphins, I think. Um, and then Zay Flowers on the other league I was in, Zay Flowers. When he went for the 75-yard house call, I was jumping up and down screaming and calling my buddy, and we were screaming at each other, and my mom's like, you're a traitor. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, fantasy correct. Super Bowl, and this tri- trumps all of that for right now. I said, I'd, fine, let the, the Dolphins come back. I'll root for that. But part of me also wonders, while we wanted the dream to be alive, that it, it still is going to be very unlikely. It feels like that the that – the, I don't think the Ravens playing to win the divi- the difference between being the one seed and the five seed are losing at home to the Steelers, just the way they're playing. I Correct. I don't think that they are right now. Happy New Year. Oh, she's living the sweet life. Yeah, living, living already. How about it? Good for her. Yeah. Got to love it. Yeah. But, you know, I think, I think the fact that we know what the deal is and we're going to have an opportunity to get healthy I think is a good thing. Now, this game would have been real interesting if it meant something only to us and not the Bengals, how they would have approached it. But 
It is what it is. It doesn't mean anything. That's what we're going to do. That that the way I looked at it was, if the Dolphins win, okay, week eighteen gets a little more interesting. If the Ravens win, it sucks, but it's also it's all, it's like a set. chance for us to get healthy. It's all set. Hopefully, yes, it's all set. Exactly. Yes, indeed it is. All right, when we come back, we'll do a little after further review. Four things that stood out on offense, four things that stood out on defense from the Browns' win over the Jets, which feels like an eternity. It wasn't even a week ago. I don't understand. feels like it was yeah. ages and ages ago. But that's where we are. All right, we'll do that when we come back. Segura Gibbe, Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Betta, sports betting partner of your Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumkey Waste and Recycling is a family-owned and operated business in operation for over 90 years, driven by a strong sense of pride in making the world a cleaner and greener place for future generations to live. Learn more by visiting www.rumkey.com. All right, Gibbe. A little after further review, my friend. after further. I know it was like five days ago. Review. But still, it was a long we time should ago. put it to bed. Yeah, yeah. It was a glorious night. 37 to 20. I'd love to relive it. I think we should have, I think today's show should have just been a replay of the broadcast. <laughs> Trying to get that day off. Well, not even for that. Just, I mean, I feel like right now, let's be honest about it. We're a little, we're kind of, it, it's awesome. We're a Browns team and treading water right now, waiting for the week one of the playoffs, which is cool. It's what a position to be in. We haven't been so lucky to be in that position. It's awesome. But here we are. All right. After further review. Number one. After further review. Joe Flacco. We're going to start with with Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, we know that he threw for the 300 yards, snapped that 33-game streak. We know how effective he's been. We know what he did, you know, under pressure in this game where he was unbelievable, 5 of 8 for 91 yards with a touchdown and a quarterback rating of 114. He was great from a clean pocket. But what we're going to talk about for a second is Joe Flacco off a play action. Joe Flacco averaged 12.3 yards per attempt. He threw a touchdown off of play action. And one of the reasons why I think Joe Flacco has been so good this year is on the play action. It's not just the scheme and what's being designed by Kevin Stefanski, which is very, very good. It's his ball handling. It's the way he executes these hard play actions. The fact that he really sells them. And I thought no better example than the one where he faked the handoff, kind of tucked the ball, stood like he was still and then rolled out to the left and hit Jordan Akins. That was just, that is poetry right there. That is art. Joe Flacco, the play-action game has been unbelievable for him. And you look at for this whole season for Joe Flacco in terms of what he's been able to do off of play-action for the season. 64%, 12.8 yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, three picks, 123 quarterback rating. I mean, he has just been sensational off of play-action. Six big-time throws, just stunning and it's a combination of his ability to take that pre-snap pitcher turn his back to the defense come around get a quick picture know what to do with the football and then do it uh, and make spectacular throws but it's that hard action is creating a lot of space in that 10 to 19 yard window number two after further review 
Elijah Moore in this game, I thought was spectacular. I thought Elijah Moore, the way that he stepped in for Amari Cooper and really was the number one receiver, and quite frankly, it was kind of obvious when he went out, right? This yeah. offense, the passing attack, when he went out, the passing attack went way down. Now, game flow had something to do with that as well, but Elijah Moore in that opportunity, now that we know that he's doing all right, stepped up big. Six catches in the first half, five tar- five, five, six targets, yep. five catches, 61 yards and a touchdown, not to mention the opening play of, of the game on offense for us was a perfectly legal 14-yard catch or so to Elijah Moore, so it should have been six for 75 and a touchdown in the first half. They called offense pass interference on one of the – in a weekend of some crazy bad calls, that was maybe one of the worst. Um, I thought that he was yep. – he was sensational. And you got a glimpse of what he could be, you know, obviously in a situation where he's counted on more to be the main guy. 12.2 yards per reception, man. Yep. Solid. Five for 61 yeah. in the touch. Love it. Yeah. And he's got the chemistry with Flacco. That's, yes. He is just – as we get further into this – he, he will become just as important as Amari Cooper and David Njoku because you need that third option. Yep. you got to find it somewhere. Maybe it's Jerome Ford. Maybe it's him. But you've got to find a third option. Well, I think it's kind of amazing that David Njoku's three of his four single-game, best single games of his career have happened with Joe Flacco. Elijah, two of his three best career games have happened with Joe Flacco. All right, those are top two. Speaking of the Chief, number three. After further review, just an elite tight end. I realize he finished with 134, had 100 plus in the first quarter, was on pace. He was the first Browns tight end to ever do that. But it was the fact that he came up huge on third downs. First drive, third and 15, he gets the first down. Second drive, third and 12, the one-handed catch runs us down, and then the Browns were in business. That Those are the money downs in the NFL. Eight targets, six catches, 134 yards, average 22 yards per catch. And think about what he was able to do after the run after the catch. He's been the best yak tight end in the league. He's one of the best blocking tight ends. He's unbelievable. It 40, was 47 awesome. yards short of the record. Tight end record. For a single season for the Browns? No, single game. Single game for the Browns. Ozzie Newsom. Yeah, he's got to be was close. 181. So uh, you needed 48. He was right. He had a chance, but I, th- I think if it was a different game script, he may have gotten there. But we didn't necessarily need to throw the ball in the second half. We just needed to tick, 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 Correct. roll, really roll. And the Browns are able to do that. All right, number four. After further review. I thought the backs in this game played very, very well. Jerome Ford, 12 carries for 64 yards, but then out of the backfield, two for 57 and two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt exploded on that touchdown run. That's the best I think we've seen him look in a while. He had 10 for 31 and a touchdown. And then Pierre Strong, just hold on to the ball, Pierre. Help us help you. But he looks so dangerous. Four carries, 29 yards, 7.3 a pop. He continues. Ford leads the team in rushing yards. Kareem leads the team in rushing touchdowns. He has a career-high nine. And Pierre Strong leads in yards per carry. He's just got to hold on to the football. But that was the other thing. After further, Stop turning the ball over. Please. We put the ball on the ground Please. four times in this game. Lost two of them. Chief lost fumble. Pierre lost a fumble. Joe Flacco had two fumbles but didn't lose any of them. And then we had the one interception, which was kind of an incredible play by Jermaine Johnson. But the Browns need to just stop turning the football over. The Browns stop turning the football over. This, there's no limit to what this team is capable of doing. Now, you'd say, yeah, but we turn it over and we're an 11-5 anyway. True. True. We're 3-4 and four on the road. I have a chance to get to 4-4 four and four on the road. And we're going to have to win on the road the rest of the way, pretty much. Now, there are some scenarios where we could end up hosting like the AFC Championship game. But 
it's more likely that we're going to have to go out on the road. And when you go on the road, you got to take care of the football. You can't give away easy touchdowns on the other side. All right. To the defense we go. After further review. All right. Number one. How about Alex Wright? Alex Wright, oboe goes down. Yeah. Alex Wright now has a sack in three straight games. He's got a career-high four sacks on the season. He has stepped up in a major, major way, and it's been awesome. Made the great play on the run against in Chicago on that third down when they tried to run the jet sweep. He's getting to the quarterback. Had a pass defensed. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's very good at that. He had a sack, a tackle for a loss. I, I think Alex Wright, the way that he has played, has become a big, big deal for this football team. Yeah. Because you needed that third guy, and he stepped up. Oboe. You know, you hope you get him back. But Alex Wright has stepped up and really blossomed here in the second year. They knew it was going to take some time for him, and you're seeing that pay off. Number two. After further review. I think the Browns have a diamond on their hands in Ronnie Hickman. PFFs, not that this matters, highest graded safety of the week in the National Football League last week. You saw the vision, the athleticism on the pick six. Right place at the right time. There's a guy the ball found him in the preseason. He's basically been a starter now for kind of three and a half weeks. He's got a pick already. The ball does find him. He's got big pass breakups. He's been so good. It's exciting. Uh, but I think that that is kudos to Andrew Barry again because you have to load up, you know, the back end of this roster. They did that. And, and guys like not only Higgins, but DeAnthony Bell's played very, very well since coming in. He had two tackles for loss. Ron Harmon played well in this one. Also, so those safeties stepping up. All right, number Har- three. Harmon played really well taking out running backs. Yep. Uh, Brees Hall. A couple yep. really nice plays in open field. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Number three. After further review. How about Sione Taki Taki? 16 tackles. Pretty sure that's a career high for him. 16 tackles. He was everywhere in this game. I couldn't be happier for him getting the opportunity I think at this time last year he was on IR, just torn his ACL down in Houston, and now he goes down to Houston, leads the team in tackles, goes this week, leads the team in tackles, 16 of them. Awesome. Couldn't be happier for him. Number four. After further review. Just a quick Pro Bowl lobby here, because I don't know that we're going to see any of these guys again. I think Denzel Ward is playing at a Pro Bowl level. MJ Emerson is playing at a Pro Bowl level. I think, quite frankly, Greg Newsom, especially over the last kind of half of the season, is playing at a Pro Bowl level. JOK, 11 tackles, two tackles for a loss, giving him 20 of those on the season, playing at a Pro Bowl level. Miles Garrett, 14 sacks, only player in the league with 14 or more sacks in the last three seasons. He had four quarterback hits in this one. Just couldn't quite seal the deal a few times. Was getting held on every play. He's been unbelievable. But there, I think there is a real path to five pro bowlers on the Browns' defense this year. Absolutely. No team's ever had three corners make it. It would be historic. And quite frankly, I think that the Browns are deserving. So I think last year, the I think the Ravens had eight guys on the pro bowl. Or Philly, Philly I think, had eight players Total. on the pro bowl. And we, it was one of our – it was one of our factor fictions uh, on Thursday night. Like, I think you can get to eight on this team. I think you, okay. Best case scenario, anybody that's like even remotely in makes it, right? All right, so I think best case scenario, this is best. On the offense, Betonio, yep. Teller, I think Posick could make it. He deserves that reckoning. He's been a top center. Najoku. Najoku, yep, Chief. 
I think you could certainly make case Amari Cooper is having a career year. And the, again, this is totally best case scenario. And then Dustin Hopkins. Yeah. Okay. And so, then on defense. And then on D, the five Woo. we said. So my. What about Dalvin? My, I don't. I think you got to be more numbers? of a pass rusher. Okay. To make it on the interior, Miles, JOK, Denzel, MJ, Greg. So I mean, I think there's a path to ten would be everybody that's possible really to make it makes it. But my guess it's going to be more. I think you're going to be it. I think Chiefs a lock. I think Dustin Hopkins is a lock. I think Miles is a lock. I think JOK is a lock. I think one of Denzel and MJ are locks. I think you have and, and Betonio will be a lock. I think you'll have six I think you'll have six locks and then it'll just be who makes it around that, which will be fun to see. Yep. Speaking of somebody who would be in the Pro Bowl if there was one for announcers, the voice of the Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan, joins the show kicking off hour number two here on this Tuesday. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Betta, sports betting partner of your Cleveland Browns, now live in Ohio. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Bet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Be a part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Join Next Gen STM presented by Ticketmaster, the official waitlist of the Cleveland Browns. Being a Next Gen STM is the best chance to become a season ticket member in future seasons. Visit clevelandbrowns.com slash nextgenSTM to reserve your spot today. What a delight now as we go out onto the hotline. There's my camera. Boom. Go out onto the hotline and the voice of your playoff-bound Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan, joining the show, brought to you by Twisted Tea, Hard Ice Tea, an official sponsor of the Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. Jim, happy new year to you. How are you doing? Happy New Year, Nathan. I am doing great. I have been doing great since Thursday night. I have to yeah. tell you, I know there, I know there's a 24-hour rule with teams. All right, we have 24 hours to celebrate. I have extended that personally, and uh, I, I have just uh, had a smile on my face since Thursday night. And a lot of people around Cleveland are in the same type of facial expression as I am right now. You know, I went to the um, – we went out on Saturday night to the Hot Brow House. Have you ever been there to the Hot Brow House in downtown? I have Cleveland? not. Down, in I downtown? Yeah. I hear, yeah, it's, right a, I hear it's a good time, though. Oh, my gosh. It was great. But the people were in such a great mood. Yes. And a lot of yes. it was spiced by the Browns. I mean, everybody was just in such a great mood. And, and it's been that way everywhere you go down around town, I think. Well, you're exactly right. All right. Before we get into talking about Thursday night and all of those things, because Bo's not here, I've got, I've got to fill in for him and ask you, how are things out on the Ponderosa right now? What's going on? Got some rain. We got some snow. We got a wintry mix. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I am in the barn, as a matter of fact. This is my studio for Cleveland Browns Daily. When I, I appear it. on the show, I'm here in the barn. And uh, all, let me know, look, all present and accounted for as far as horses are concerned. And they are like football players during the cold weather that get those big capes put around yeah. them. They have, uh, they've got all their blankets on. So they're doing good. They're eating hay, and they got their blankets on. Life is good. I was going to say, sounds nice and cozy. Good to be a horse on the Donovan, <laughs> at the Donovan Estate. All right. You've gotten to do, obviously, throughout your career, some very, very cool things. 
with everything that obviously you've gone through personally, what this team has gone through professionally for all these years, where did Thursday night and getting to make that final call, where does that rank for you when you look back on your career in terms of some of the special moments you've gotten to be a part of? Oh, it's right on the top. It's right at the top. It really is. Um, Because I, and I know a lot of other people, but I'll speak for myself. I have always dreamed of being in a big game like that and and to be able to call it is is even better but to to have that stadium have a big game atmosphere with a lot riding on it and that was the scenario on thursday night and it exceeded what i always dreamed it would be it really did the fact that it was a night game and it's the only game and it's a nationally televised game and it's a win in your end game um oh my gosh it was just it was just incredible as the game went along. It really was. And I would, uh, you know, the two of us would look at each other every commercial break. And as the lead widened for the Browns and grew, you're, you know, we would look at each other and say, hey, let's just let that clock run. That's and right. get this thing over with and so we can, you know, really celebrate this thing. But, uh, you know, it, it really is at the top of my list. It really was um, because everything was just so perfect. The crowd was perfect. Um, you know, the pregame was perfect. The game was perfect. And the after celebration was amazing. It really was. And, you know, this obviously second year that I've been able to have that vantage point on the crowd during games. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, for people to understand, we would go into like a commercial. They would play one of your touchdown calls on the big board. (laughs) And then everybody in the sections in front of us would turn around and start like cheering for you and cheering for us and the Browns. It was just it was crazy. The, it was electric. I mean, that's the word I keep using, the electricity in that stadium, especially when we got that fourth down stop, and then it was like, okay, now it's just a matter of time until this game ends. Right. It was truly something special, right? I mean, we've seen this crowd. It's the best fans in the NFL, but there's just a belief, and you could tell it's permeating from the team into the crowd, yeah. and I thought it was so special to kind of see that, and it felt like we almost had our own interactive theater right in front of us of everybody turning around <laughs> throughout the game. Yeah, it really was. I mean, uh, and, it, you know, it's been that way. I mean, you've been there all year, and I've been there in and out. But uh, certainly down the stretch here, uh, when, you know, we've been coming down the stretch with these home games, and, you know, they, there's a bigness to every game because you're, you're in that wild card category, and you're wondering if you're going to be – if you're going to get in. You still have some outside hopes of the division. But the games are all big, and the crowd is so – um, intelligent about that. There's such a good football IQ yes. with our fans, and they know that they have a role in the game at Brown Stadium, and they know when it's third down and that defense is out there on the field that they want to get them going, and they don't have to be cued you know, by any announcement that it's third down. They realize that, and they're up, and they're ready. Uh, but it, you know it's a big game, Nathan, when the crowd is so in that stadium and so pouring emotion out during the pregame warm-up. And that was oh, the yeah. situation on Thursday night. Any Browns player that came out of that tunnel was met with a rousing cheer, um, and it was just great. It sure was. Uh, just thinking back, it's making me smile. And you're exactly right. Anywhere I went in the city, I mean, people are wearing Browns gear everywhere. Browns flags are everywhere. Everybody is smiling. Right. It is a very special thing, and it leads us to something that we're both familiar and yet also unfamiliar with. We're familiar with – our final game of the season not necessarily meaning anything. We are unfamiliar with it not meaning anything because we're already locked into the playoffs, into the five seed. 
what do you make even of this week coming up? Because it feels like there's no stakes for either team. It's kind of almost an exhibition, and you got to balance maybe the desire to keep this great rhythm and this winning going with let's get this battered team healthy and give us our best yeah. roster possible going into the playoffs. Yeah, it's a very, very rare situation for really a lot of teams, uh, and, and certainly us. Um, you know, I used to always, when we would typically end the year against the Steelers, and their playoff fate had already been decided, yep. and they were playing, and we were way out of it, of course. And you would say, I used to say to myself, gosh, I envy them right now that they're in this position. How great it would be that there's Big Ben on the sideline, and he doesn't have to worry a thing about this game because he's just wondering who they're going to play in the playoffs. Uh, and here we are. We are in that position. So it, it really is a very, very unique position going down to Cincinnati. And, and with them being eliminated after losing to Kansas City, uh, the game is really kind of a, you know, uh, it's like an exhibition game. It really is like an extra preseason game, of which we had an extra preseason game this That's year right. because of the Hall of Fame game. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're going to be – I think you and I are going to be deep on the depth chart probably uh, as yeah. we were like in Kansas City or, uh, you know, uh, late in the game in Philadelphia during the summer. You know, it's wild, and, and you're right. I think we will be dipping into it. Here's something, and I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to go try to find Joe Flacco and confirm this, but I'm looking at Joe Flacco's, you know, you think about his best years with the Ravens, 11-5, 12-4 right. in 2010, 12-4 in 2011, the Super Bowl year, 10-6, and 10-6. and six. He played and started 16 games in all of those seasons, and that's back when it was a 16-game season. So I don't know that he's had necessarily experience of sitting down in the final week of a season. So you wonder what he's saying about it. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, and, you know, and because he's really just getting this thing revved up right now. Um, and my gosh, he's got it revved up uh, and has played like a month. Um, I, this, this is obviously a very unique situation for him. But it is going to be when, it, when we finally do get there beyond this week and get into the postseason, it really is going to be very, very noticeable to have a quarterback out there who has not just playoff experience, but a lot of playoff experience and the ultimate playoff experience. And that is going to be an advantage every time the Browns go into a playoff game with him right now this season as the starting quarterback for the Browns. That is going to help them a great deal because young quarterbacks can really, going into the second season, into the playoffs, can really have a tough time and unravel very, very quickly if they don't get off to a good start. That shouldn't be the case here because he knows the drill. He knows it like the back of his hand. Jim, where does the fact that we're talking about Joe Flacco as the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, a guy that when you came back for your triumphant return week 11 against the Pittsburgh Steelers was not even a pipe dream to be a Cleveland Brown, and then yeah. we come back from the West Coast and you come back for the Jags game, and it's Joe Flacco, and he wins that one. He wins the Bears game. We go to Houston, he wins. He wins this Jets game. The fact that you've called so many Joe Flacco games, they often, as you mentioned in the very first one, ended with Joe Flacco winning. This time, right. though, he does it for the Cleveland Browns. Like, how crazy of a story. Somebody who could have the perspective you can. Is it that Joe Flacco is now the toast of this town, by the way, and that he's leading this team to the playoffs and, and looks poised to maybe make a deep run in the playoffs? Uh, he really is the toast of the town. You're right about that. Uh, there were two things in all those years when you played the Ravens and the Browns would go into Baltimore and lose – and have a, and typically lose here. And he, you know, he was like 17 and three against the Browns as a Raven. Yeah. And then he's got the one win as a Jet. But in those 17 games, and in all of those games, 
there were two things that would always happen, always happen, and in particular at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. Joe Flacco would get hot and make a big play, and on the other side, Ed Reed would get a pick and usually take it back for a touchdown, and it would be game over. That's it. That's the way it went all those years. Um, it is unbelievable. It, first of all, it was just unbelievable uh, on the eyes, Nathan, to see him in a Browns yeah. uniform, just to see him yep. visually in so, the uniform of the Browns. I mean, after all those years wearing the purple and black of the Ravens, but then to see him perform. Um, and, I, and I do remember, and it pains me to remember this, a year ago, September, when he did beat the Browns as the Jet. And I remember, and I'm sure you do too, um, how hot he got at the end of that game. And, you know, just red hot throwing the ball to the point where we just couldn't stop him. And, and get to him and, and get him down, and, and he's just rifling the ball all over the ballpark. And you just had this sinking feeling that he was so hot that they were unstoppable once they got the ball. And of course, they did, and they ended up beating us. Um, so, I mean, that's the way he plays, though. And, and you know, he yeah. was hot on Thursday night, and he might go through a little rough patch, but then he gets himself collected once again, doesn't get rattled, and, he, you know, he picks up where he started. He has been something else for this football team. This team, every week, it feels like it's overcoming something else. Amari Cooper was the late scratch on Thursday night, and yet this offense threw for almost 300 yards in the first half. The Chief has been sensational. What does it kind of say to you as somebody who's you know calling these games, immersed in it, watching it, preparing for it, what this team has been able to overcome this year to have this magical 11-win season, eight of those wins, a franchise record coming in front of the home fans. Kind of What's kind of been that secret sauce as you see it? Well, to me, the first thing that hits me is that defense, um, you know, yep. because that, that's, that's the main deal. And we only saw a little bit of them together during the preseason. You probably saw more when you were at Greenbrier and, and um, you know, during the practice sessions there. But as far as the games were concerned, Hall of Fame game all the way through Kansas City, I mean, we only really saw a little bit of the defense. But even that little look at them, you could tell, boy, there was a different aggressive speed to them. And then that just came right out in the opening game against Cincinnati when they just – and I know Joe Burrow yep. was playing with a bad calf, but they just smothered that Bengal offense that day. And there was just no way Cincinnati – was going to score. So that's the first thing that, that really is the calling card. But when you think about it, Nathan, because of all the different quarterbacks that the Browns have had this year, numbering now four, they've really had to play four different kinds of offense yep. because each quarterback was different. And, and that then goes to the head coach and Alex Van Pelt and Bill Callahan and Chad O'Shea and Stump Mitchell and all of those guys that are putting together that offensive side because – with each quarterback came a different style of play, and they, and they won with all of them, too. I mean, they won with Watson. They won with P.J. Walker. I mean, they knocked off San Francisco. Um, you know, they won with DTR in that game that they scratched out against Pittsburgh, and obviously they're winning big now with Flacco. But it's all very different because each guy is so different in style of play, and that is indeed one of the amazing parts of this whole story. You mentioned Kevin Zafanski, a, a lot of affection for the Browns head coach. He's now the betting favorite to be the coach of the year, which would be the second time in four seasons that he has done it. He is what I think there are two names in Cleveland Browns franchise history that have had multiple 11 win seasons. I think it's Paul Brown and Kevin Stefanski. That's the list. What has he meant to this organization? What he and Andrew Barry, who obviously you look at with the depth of the roster and the people stepping up, you've got to tip your cap to him. He should be in the conversation yeah. for executive of the year, but back to the head coach for now, 
What about the job that he has done to get this team not only to handle the different styles of quarterbacks, but, you know, you go back to the week that you returned against the Pittsburgh Steelers, that this team was flying high after beating the Ravens. Right. They were devastated Wednesday morning by the news, devastated that Deshaun Watson was done for the year. We'd finally seen the, the best half of Deshaun Watson since becoming mm-hmm. a Cleveland Brown. And he got them ready to play and got a rookie quarterback ready to play and got a huge win at home at a time when you certainly needed it. Well, I've always thought he's very smart. I mean, I, I just yep. I love talking to him because he's just very smart. I think he's a very, very smart guy. Um, and I know there was a loud, loud bellowing at times cry during the offseason where people were saying, hey, please give up the play calling. You know, just be the CEO, head coach of the team. But he's too good at it, I, I really believe. I, I've always enjoyed his game plans. Sure, you can pick on a call sometimes. You can do that with – you can do that with any coach in any game. You can say, eh, and then like that call on third down, you can do that. But I mean, to watch him and to talk to him and, and you and I get a chance to talk to him um, in, in interviews and before interviews and after interviews and things like that. He's just a, he's just a very smart guy. But I would say this, that one and oh theme that he preaches every week has really resounded with this team because it was very, very important to just focus in every week on that game and sometimes people say oh, that's just a coaching cliche let's go let's go one and oh but this team really kind of grabbed on to that I think and and really yeah. played every week because every week was so different because of the quarterbacks and because of the the two new tackles and because there's no Nick Chubb and 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 yes and there were injuries you know on the other side and then oh yeah on Thursday night you know we we have a new punter and a new kicker <laughs> and and all, all of those things, when you when you start talking about them, it's just amazing. But I think that that one and oh theme that he has embedded in them, and they they all you know talk about it too. Totally. Um, I think that that has been a a very very key thing for them, and and he's just done an incredible job this year. I mean, I, he was great in 2020, no doubt about it, with the COVID situation, sure. getting them to the playoffs. But what he's done this year, I mean, he is really. When people say he was just an offensive coordinator that became a head coach, uh, I, I always think he's a brilliant offensive coordinator, but now he is really a head coach. He has grown in the four years. There's no doubt that he has, and he's, he's got complete command. And you mentioned the 1-0 and mantra. When you see Amari go up in his postgame speech, he says 1-0. Flacco saying yeah. it. Zadarius, everybody, they, they are all bought in, which is awesome. So, all right, once the Browns punch their ticket, I'm sure your head had to go there. And correct me if I'm wrong on the math, but I'm pretty sure it's been over 20 years, 2002, the last time that you were live in attendance for a Cleveland Browns playoff game. Yeah. So this is a long time coming. How excited are you for that? Oh, I'm really excited. I really am. Um, it's, uh, it really is a, di- it's a different type of atmosphere once the playoffs you know, come. And I know there was no atmosphere. You were yep. over in Pittsburgh that night. I mean, you know, it was great to beat them. And where they beat sure. them, but it wasn't a typical Heinz Field game. No. Um, it, it really is something. I mean, it, it's it's incredible. Um, you know, the funny thing about—I have to tell you this story though. The funny thing about the 2002 uh, team when they made the playoffs that day and they beat the Atlanta Falcons, when we were getting—they had beaten the Falcons, but they still weren't in the playoffs, um, and they needed New England to lose, and New England was playing Miami. And we're in the postgame show, and I was kind of doing the postgame show, but had an eye to the television set yep. in the booth because we had flipped it over there. The Patriots miraculously came back. They were losing the whole game. 
they tied the game, got it into overtime, and beat the Dolphins. So now that card isn't going to work for us. So we're still not in the playoffs. So we go out into the parking lot to leave, and now it's got to be the Jets have to beat Green Bay. And I'm in the car pulling out of the, uh, the port parking lot. And Butch Davis and his 12-year-old son, Drew, drive up to me. Butch is in this huge black truck. And he rolls down the window. And this is typical of Butch. I'll go into my Butch Davis imitation right now. He goes, Jimmy, Jimmy. I go, what? And he goes, how do I find out what the Jets are doing? Being a radio <laughs> nerd, I say to him, knowing I know where all the games are on the radio, I go, Butch, go to your AM radio, hit 660. 660 WFAN, that's where the Jets games are. And because it's this time of day, which it was like 6 o'clock now, that signal is going to boom in and you'll be able to heal. And he's going, 660. And all of a sudden, he gets the Jets game on the radio and pulls away. And Chad Pennington did it for us. He, he, he blew out the Packers. And the Browns at about 715 that night made the playoffs. It was a, it was a great day. That is awesome. What a great story. I, I like how we did it here. Got to just win a game at home. Yeah. Everybody parties and we get to relax. Well, Jim, thank you so much for the time. As always, look forward to seeing you down in Cincinnati for uh, the fifth preseason game we've done together this season. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. All right. The great Jim Donovan, the voice, as always, as all of our guests do, he joined us via the Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea Hotline, official sponsor of the Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. When we come back, Jerome Ford was at the podium. Five receiving touchdowns on the season. That 51-yarder was one of the more impressive plays you'll see all year. Hear from him next on Cleveland Browns Daily. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. I can't tell in my ear. I have no idea. I have no idea. Look, you can listen to it. I have no idea. I can't tell. What is going on with your. Why? I don't know. I think it's because it only goes into one of the two ears. So I think I need to have this ear, and then I can kind of hear it. You should be able to hear it out of two. I d- I'm telling you. I had no idea. Well, and the other time he, I got confused because he said, are you ready to go? And I said something. And then, and then goes, you hit no, no, you hit your box after you said it. Well, here you go. We're back. You know who else is back? Jerome Ford at the podium. He, of over 100 total yards and two touchdowns, certainly helped, I'm sure, many of you in your fantasy titles in addition to getting the Browns into the playoffs. He was at the podium yesterday. Here he is. Why do you think the run game – was so successful versus Jets after the struggles of previous couple of weeks? Uh, we were just able to hone in on our coaching this week, you know, and, um, you know, gel together. Uh, O-line was clicking and we were clicking as a running back group. So I feel like that was that was one of the big things, being able to get that done in practice this week and go out there and do it on the field. Did you feel like you ran any differently in that game? It looked like you ran really hard. Uh, Yeah, just, just you know, like I said, the uh, offensive line, you know, just seeing them – push dudes out and reset the uh, line of scrimmage, put dudes on their back. You know, it just, it kind of just, you know, travel to the backs and we like, yeah, we got to, we got to do it. Hey, Jerome, as a, as a player heading into this, this last regular season game, knowing a lot of starters 
have the potential to uh, rest. What's that mindset in preparation for the Bengals uh, and and even looking forward to that first playoff game? Uh, you know, we pretty much just been same focus as every other game. Uh, we looking to go one and zero this week. Um, we got a, a opponent in our division, and we know they're gonna come out and give us their best shot. So we are gonna go out there and you know put it on film and uh, go out there and give our best shot. When you're in the in the room this week and with the potential of of some of you guys resting, are you talking to the guys that would step up and, and having conversations with them for their moment, like you have all season? Uh, you know. Just the same as always, uh, you know, you know, you never know who could go down or something like that. So we always talk about, um, you know, hey, if you're, you know, whoever's number's called, make sure you're ready to step up. And, uh, yeah, pretty much, you know, we looking to go one and oh, and, who, you know, whoever number's called, we're going to be there. Uh, yeah, Jerome, just wondering, you know, when you got a chance to watch your 50-yard uh, catch and run over again, uh, you know, were you – you know, pretty proud of the way you looked, you know, just like ready to run through a wall on that particular play, uh, you know, the tackles that you broke and all that kind of stuff. And did the fact that, you know, were you a little even extra fired up, you know, that Nick was there, smashed the guitar. I mean, did you feel like you had to go out and, you know, represent for him and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, definitely. Always, um, you know, ever since Nick went down, you know, we kind of been like, you know, we're going to play for Nick and that kind of stuff. But my favorite part about the play actually is if you look at the very end of the play, you can see Marquise Goodwin shoot across the field and just knock somebody out. And I feel like that was a big help in the touchdown. And, like, I didn't realize it until I watched it again on film. I'm like, dang, he really smacked that dude. So, yeah, that's my favorite part of that play. Hey, Jerome, um, you obviously looked very, really hard this year. Would you like some time off Sunday to rest up for the – uh, playoffs or how do you look at that personally for you uh like i said before afc opponent you know in our division um looking to go one and no so i'm I'm ready to come up step up do what i got to do to get the win my numbers call but do you think you need rest uh that's probably a uh, coach some for coach defansky hey jerome uh, i was looking at what you said about that 50 yard touchdown after the game and you talked about the scramble drill like aspect of it I guess what's that been like developing those kind of plays and that kind of chemistry with Joe since he got here so late? And how do you think you guys have done that? Uh, we had already been practicing it. And, you know, just to get Joe involved, uh, you can see it paid off for us on uh, Thursday. I was going to say Sunday, but Thursday. Um, and, you know, just continuing to drill the little things because when the game comes and the situations come up, they can be big plays for us. Hey, Joe, um, going to the playoffs will be your first time. Like, how will you personally handle these next two weeks, whether you play or don't? just kind of getting prepared, whether it's mentally and physically, uh, for the trip to the playoffs? Uh, right now, I'm, we're not even looking at the playoffs. We, you know, I'm just continuing my routine and uh, getting ready for the Bengals right now. So just making sure my routine is uh, still intact and uh, making sure that I'm ready when my number's called on Sunday to play against the Bengals. And I know you had that big touchdown, the play after Elijah got hurt, but I, I was watching the replay, and you're standing right there. You're calling for the medical people. So how scary was that? Um, moment for you to see Elijah down like that? It was really scary. I ran over there to pick him up and, uh, you know, uh, just you, you, everybody could see what happened on, uh, you know, the play. But uh, he, he wouldn't get up and, you know, he kind of jolted. And, like, it, it was scary for me, uh, especially seeing a teammate like that. And uh, I didn't know what was going on. I just knew we needed help. And I wanted to make sure that he got the help as fast as possible. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jerome, in, in watching some of the highlights again over, uh, you know, you see – 
Joe out there yelling, you know, let's effing go and, you know, you know, fist bumping, you know, and pointing to the sky after your touchdown and just all the, all the things that he did during the game. And, you know, I think a lot of people think of him sometimes as sort of a buttoned up guy. Uh, so my question is just, you know, how fiery is he? How fired up does he get? And how maybe, I don't know, are you surprised about any of that stuff? Joe get real fired up, as you can see on, on, on the, those big plays. Uh, he get fired up all the time. Uh, yeah, he can he can be a button up dude, like you said. But I feel like for the most part, you know, in practice and in games, he, he get real fired up and he bring a lot of juice and energy to the team. All right, that is Jerome Ford. They're not actually tough for a guy to be asked on Monday what the plans are. Nobody knows exactly what the Browns are going to do this Sunday against the Bengals. Yeah, but, but I, I, in fairness, you got to ask. Of course. Because, I mean, they, they, you know, I'm, I'm sure some people have already been told. <laughs> I would imagine. I, so. I, I would think so. Or they'll get, or they're going to find out tomorrow. Correct. Sure. Yeah, I think that the the coaching staff's working through all of this. So, uh, I, I get it. But yeah, I mean, and frankly, as is the case, like we're not going to give you a lot. Like we're focused on, like Coach said it yesterday. We want to win this game Sunday. Yeah. Like we're we're putting together a game plan. We're not just going to lay down and get ready for the playoffs. Of course, no. You're... So I mean, it, it, there's a little bit of gamesmanship still, and it's a divisional game. You heard Jerome Ford say it. It's still important. It is. It is very important. By the way, watching the playback, and and I love what he loved was Marquise Goodwin. So when he catches the ball at the forty, Marquise Goodwin's completely on the other sideline, sprints around. And is able to get a nice block right at the very end. He takes out number ninety-four. It's pretty amazing. The defensive tackle Solomon Thomas, which was unbelievable. The great little effort, the little extra things that turn big plays into touchdowns, and that was huge for the Cleveland Browns. Great job, by the way, of Joe Flacco getting out of there. Still crazy. There was not a penalty called on Quinn and Williams on that one, but nonetheless, touchdown Browns. One of those great iconic moments. By the way, the white uniforms. If it weren't for a lot of crazy stuff happening in Pittsburgh, you might have gone three and zero in those. You beat the Niners. You beat the Jets, you won your two in a row. So that's good because I think they look awesome and I'm excited yes. that, that there's going to be some positives uh, going forward. All right, when we come back, one thought from every Week 17 NFL game. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybetta, sports betting partner of your Cleveland Browns, now live in Ohio. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Rolling Stones Hackney Diamonds Tour will be at Cleveland Brown Stadium on Saturday, June 15th. Tickets are on sale now. Visit clevelandbrownstadium.com slash Rolling Stones for more information. All right, give me one thought from, yes? I, I, do, I do have a little bit of news, a little okay. somber news, unfortunately. Oh, no. uh, Frank Ryan, the last uh, Browns QB to win a title, has passed away at the age of 87. 87, yeah. Uh, led the Browns to a 27-0 win over the Baltimore Colts in the 1964 NFL Championship. My father was there, my uncle was there, my grandfather was there, and my great-uncle was there. Wow. In the, in the family's tickets. Threw three touchdown passes to Gary Collins in that game. Uh, unfortunately, passed away from Alzheimer's. 13-year uh, career in the NFL. While he was winning the championship in 1964, he was also going through the process of getting his doctorate in math. He then went on to teach math at Rice University, then went on to become the athletic director at Yale. Jeez. Uh, quite, uh, quite the life, 52 and 22 as a starter 
in the National Football League. Right. Frank Ryan has passed away at the age of 87, one of the Browns' legends, and I mean legends, and the reason why this franchise has the proud history that it does. My father speaks very, very highly of that man. Big Frank Ryan guy? Yes, very big fan. Well, certainly thoughts so. and prayers with his family, and, and obviously yeah, you mourn the loss of a Cleveland Browns legend. Yeah, indeed. Um, our guy Tom McCarthy on the call of the game, by the way. I know. How about it? Yeah. Uh, T-Mac, Sunday, I was texting James with Lofton? him a couple days ago. Yeah, we haven't had we haven't had James in forever. So I think the last time we had him was the Browns, Bills, and Detroit. Oh, yeah, because the one crew couldn't get there. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, you're right. All right, let's go because we have ten minutes to do fourteen games. One thought every week: seventeen game, Cowboys twenty, Leones nineteen, Zagura. I still don't really feel like I totally understand what happened at the end of that game. By the way, Brad Allen's crew, which is out of the playoffs, is doing Steelers-Ravens on national TV. Which cannot make either one of the – can't I, make the Steelers feel good, but I, good. I don't know about good. that. You just got to get these things right. This was an awesome game, awesome finish. It was. It helped Miss Kay win her fantasy league. She won by only a couple points. Uh, but if, you, if we tuned in late to this game, so all we watched was the – Lions, from the point that the the Cowboys made that 40-yard field goal to take the lead, and then the Lions went down, or to go up seven, the Lions went down. So she had the Dallas kicker, that was four. It's a PPR league. She had Amon Ross St. Brown and Laporta. They caught every pass on that drive. Every single pass that was thrown by Goff on that drive was to Laporta or Amon Ross, and then Amon Ross scored, and that won her the title. So she won that league now the first year that was in existence, and now here. So I said, you're the bookend champion. you're the only person who ever can be the bookend champion, and you're the bookend champion. So is the league good. going away? No, but she is, oh. as of right for a calendar year, at least she's going to be the bookend champion. Okay. I was going to say. I was confused. Yeah. Uh, Ravens 56, Dolphins 19. Oof. Dude, back-to-back weeks, they blasted the Niners and they blasted Dolphins. you got to give them their respect. They are playing currently like the best team in the National Football League. And are Lamar the Dolphins, is nasty. I know the narrative is out there about the Dolphins. Lamar is nasty. But clearly the Dolphins are not living up to the hype of being well, able to win, A, on the road, and B, correct. beating quality now, teams. To be fair, fair, and you're right. No, you're right. They were without Mostert, and they were without Waddle. Waddle. And that's a big deal. Those are Mostert, I think, had 20 touchdowns this year. Yes, <laughs> so, he's at 21. Yeah, so 21. Waddle's very good. So they were kind of in it, but I'll tell you what. Lamar is just 18 to 21, 321, five touchdowns. He ran for, I mean, he's playing unbelievable football. Just unbelievable football. Bills 27, Patriots 21. Closer than it should have been. Yeah. Honestly, considering that they had, I'm pretty sure Bailey Zappi, because I played against the Bills D in the one league I didn't win. They had like three picks, including a pick six in the first quarter. Yeah, Zappy threw three picks. I, I don't understand this one ended up 27-21. I really don't. I don't quite get it. Uh, I don't know why they didn't destroy him. They were up 20-7 to in the second quarter, and then 27-14 in the third, and they kind of just cruised home. And I guess that's all. The Bills have won four in a row since that loss to the uh, to the Eagles. Yep. Uh, and really, they had a chance to win that one. So, I don't know. Something that Bears watching. Up next, Bears 37, Gutless Falcons 17 uh the bears they're seven and nine kids 
Yep. Uh, they've won two in a row. They're playing really good football. So here's the deal. The Bears are in an interesting situation, and I still think Justin Fields will play for the Atlanta Falcons next year, but I think they have the most fascinating offseason of any team in the league. Fields is good. He played great in this one. Let me the ship. Thank you very much, Justin. We said bye all year. They're a fast, their offseason is going to be fascinating. What do they do? Do they draft a quarterback? My guess is yes, and they trade fields for, I think at this point you can get a one for him. I, I think he's looked that good, that improved. It's going to be wild. Or do they trade the one number one pick for like three ones and just build a super team around them? Yeah. They have a lot of options. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, Falcons stink. By the way, some developing news from Tom Pelissero. Four-time Pro Bowl running back Dalvin Cook and the Jets have mutually agreed to part ways, allowing Cook the opportunity to play for a playoff team per his agency, LAA Sports Entertainment. The dynamic playmaker has fresh legs after minimal usage in New York can now compete for a Super Bowl. Be interesting. I mean, he knows our offense and our scheme well. Stefanski knows him from his time in Minnesota. You know, would the Browns be a team that would consider it? He appears to have lost a step this year, but he knows this offense and he knows this scheme. So as a short-term rental to kind of buttress Jerome Ford and, and Kareem and Pierre, would you consider it? I, th- I think you'd probably take a look. Yep. I'm sure you have the discussions. I think that's for sure. Yep. All right, to the AFC South, Texans get back on track. C.J. Stroud back 26-3 to over the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, the Will te- Levis left. Yeah, they Tannehill. knocked him out of the game. The Texans are... The Texans, to me, are the scariest NFC South team. AFC. AFC South team. Who's count? Yeah. They're, they're the scariest one because they've got the quarterback. They've got an offense that can put points up on the board. And then their defense, when they're healthy, that defense can get after the quarterback. Stroud, 213 and a touchdown. Singletary's running it well. Nico Collins is the top target, and he's been very, very good. And then you think about the defense. You know, they got Will Anderson back in this one. He had two sacks. They still are without their leading sack getter, Grenard, but Derek Barnett's getting sacks every week. They're good. They're they're good. They're the team that I think is, if you were to rank the three teams, I'm not afraid of any of them. We've never lost the AFC South or with Kevin Stefanski as the head coach, but they'd probably be the team that I would least least like to play. Yep. Next. I'd like to play all of them. Yeah. Colts 23, Raiders 20. Raiders came back, made it interesting, but – Minshew mania hangs on, and the Colts. Where's this Devonte Adams been all year? Good, better late than never. We'll take it in the title game. Thirteen for one twenty-six and two touchdowns. Yeah, this one was closer than maybe you thought it would be. It was fourteen to three at the half. They did a good job, Minshew Taylor. You know, this is an offense though. I really think the Colts are the team that I'd probably be the most excited to play. I think that offense is easy. It is you can shut that offense down. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville shuts out Carolina 26 uh, nothing. The Panthers owner creating all the news story in this one, throwing a drink on a fan. What's going to happen? You have to send a message that that is not acceptable, number one. Number two, if you don't want to deal with the fans and heckling fans, which is going to happen when the windows are open, close the windows. Yep. Enjoy the game with the windows closed. Yep. Uh, just a pretty calm easy win here for the for the Jacksonville Jags 
With a backup quarterback. The backup quarterback, yeah. As easy as it could be. ETN, yep. big game. Uh, the Rams got everything they could handle, and then some from the New York football giants. Rams 26, Giants 25 as the Rams go they to the They should have lost this game. By the way, Kyron Williams, thank you very much. Not one, not two, but three touchdowns. Chef's kiss, thank you so much. Uh, Puka Nakua now is the second most receiving yards by a rookie in NFL history. The list of people that he's on, I think it's Jamar Chase, him, Justin Jefferson, Odell. Like Pretty good company for Puka Nakua. He had five for 118 in this one. Giants should have won this game. It would have been really cool if it got to be Cade York that got to kick that field goal, but he got hurt. It was Mason Crosby. He missed it. Uh, interesting. You know, that, was talk, a, that could have been a huge loss. We talk about Stefanski. We talk about coach of the year candidates. I think under the radar and a guy who probably should get mentioned in the conversation is probably McVay because yes. no one thought this team was going to be yes. anything. We thought they'd be fire sailing at the trade deadline. Instead, they're going to the playoffs. Yep. Next, Cardinals 35, Eagles 31 in a game that I, I don't understand how the Eagles lost, but they did. It's wild. Kyler Murray, 25 of 31, 232 and three. Connor, 128 and a touchdown. Connor also caught a touchdown. Uh, they played great. This Eagles team, they're just – they're just off. They're not explosive at all. You know, A.J. Brown, earlier this year, listen to what he did. This is the start of the season. 7 for 79, 4 for 29. Then he goes on a tear. 9 for 131, 9 for 175 and 2, 6 for 127, 7 for 131, 10 for 137, 8 for 130. He has only had one 100-yard game, though, in November and December. He has not scored since November the 26th. They just have lost their way. There's something broken with that offense. I don't know exactly what it is. All right. Uh, rapid fire here. We don't need to talk about the 49ers beating the commies. They took Fine. care of business. They got back on track uh, on a short week. Good job by them. Broncos beat the Chargers. Doesn't matter. They're eliminated 8-8, eight and eight, and they're trying to find a new quarterback. Uh, Chiefs, 25, Bengals, 17. Again, Chiefs are having issues as well. Yep. They... You saw people fighting on the sideline again for the second straight week. It just they don't they don't feel like a team that is that is making a run. But they've been to five straight AFC championship games, and so they've got some of that mystique. But they're going to have to go do it on the road. Mahomes has never played a road playoff game, and he's going to have to yeah. this year. And then the other one was Saints Tampa. Yep, not a great performance from the Bucks. Woo. They were down twenty nothing going into the fourth quarter. So this game was not even as close as it appears yeah. to have been and the Packers get back on track they yeah. beat the Vikings 33 to yeah. 10 on Sunday night football gross game that should have been flexed that should have never stayed on Sunday night I don't know why it did should have never stayed but yep so be it uh and then the Steelers beat the Seahawks 30 to 23 whatever yeah still not going to get into the playoffs yeah exactly whatever all right so much more to come here you are listening to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Bally Betta sports betting partner of your Cleveland Browns Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right. What do we got coming up this week, Gibbe, for the people? Tomorrow we're uh, back at it, right, Coach? Everybody? We turn the page to the Bengals. Man. The Northern Wednesday. Kentucky Bengals. That's right. I'm going to call them that this First week. Friday. First Friday. Uh, their business might be picking up. On the set by Friday. What's that mean? Could be some 
larger-than-life luminaries making an appearance on this show. Why are you keeping me in the dark? Because I haven't had a chance to even talk to you about it. All right. Well, hopefully you can do that. It's going to be pretty awesome. I heard about it earlier. You know Uno? It was mentioned to me that it's a possibility. It would be a really fun surprise. I haven't seen you. What do you mean? We've We've been hanging out all day. Well, we were doing a show. Unbelievable. All right, folks, the next level is next. Thank you to the voice, Jim Donovan, for joining us. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Bet on 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.